Um, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 6. And we're going to continue on our series. The first, the first session this morning, the Sunday school session, is going to be uh, dealing with back to the basics, right? We've been going through uh, some of the basic things as we've gone through. Really, if you think about it, what we're doing is we're just kind of going through an overview of the book of Romans is really what it is, right? So we've gone back and we talked about the fact that there is a God, okay? Uh, we, we looked at that. And in fact, uh, if you go back to, to, to Acts chapter 17, that's one of the things that Paul starts off with with the folks there at Morris Hills. He's, he's telling them the God that created the heaven and earth. There, there's, there's an issue there that we have to keep in mind. So that's where he starts off with the folks there at that time. And so that's where we wanted to start off as well. So we go back to the basics. There is a God that we're going to be held accountable to one day. That's always a tough thing for people to, to get over because they always think, well, I've not done anything wrong. So why am I going to be held accountable for something I've not done wrong? But we find out in Romans chapter 5 that all have sinned after the similitude. Even if we've not sinned after the similitude of Adam, we still have all sinned. So we're all in that same position. Uh, then we talked about because of that, there's, there's, a, there's an issue that we have where we're going to be held accountable to this righteous God. But the best part is, is he's given us a way to have his righteousness. And we looked at that in Romans chapter 3. And in chapter 4, we see how God is able to impute that righteousness to us. In chapter 5, we find out the fact that now we have peace. That, that, that judicial peace, that we don't have that over us anymore, the fact that we've actually trusted in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Now, Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8 starts dealing with our identification, right? So uh, two weeks ago, we looked at the three circles thing, how, how God's Word works in and through us. Um, last week, we got to talk a little bit more about how is it that you start living that life, right? So it's not just enough to, to, to know some things. Uh, and, you know, we, we talked about this in Romans chapter 6. We've got three words, know, reckon, and yield, right? Paul brings those up. Notice here in Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Verse 6, notice, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. The purpose of that is, is that the body of sin might be destroyed that henceforth we should not serve sin. So there's some information that we need to know, right? And that's where we start off is we have to know some things. You notice in verse 9, he says, Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. Then you start looking at, okay, there, there's, a guy, there's a guy I talk to all the time, and he said, um, you should do a little acronym, um, CRY, K-R-Y. And I was like, well, that'll work. Um, but it's no reckoning yield, right? So he's like, hey, we should cry all the time. Well, and that, that, that kind of is a good idea, so I kind of like that. But the issue is what? We have to know some things. Well, we've also talked about that you have to reckon some things, right? Notice in verse 11. Likewise. 
Reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. All right? So then there's some things that we have to reckon. So it's not just enough to know some stuff, right? And we've talked about that before. You know, the way I always kind of look at it, yeah. No. Well, we were, man, um, the guy was talking about the cry thing. He was like, where do you put, where do you put understanding? I was like, I think it might be with the reckon, but reckoning is to, it's an accounting term, right? So when you, for instance, like you reconcile your, your checkbook, right? That's that, that's that kind of idea. But really what he's dealing with there is you're counting it to be true for yourself. So not only do you know that it's true, but do you actually believe that it's true about you, right? So notice here, and this is, and so he starts off here with, with this first issue. Notice the very first issue he starts off with is knowing some stuff. In verse 6, he says, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Now, you notice that word, that next word, that, right? Well, that word that is what? There's a purpose, okay? So when you look at this, why is it that our, our, our old man is crucified? He says, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should what? All right, so the purpose of that, we know some stuff. The purpose of it is, is that we what? Don't serve sin. So then the issue comes down to is we know something so then we can make a decision, do we do this or not, right? Um, but that's based off of knowledge, right? So there, there's a connection here. Um, some are a little bit easier. We, we, we kind of talked about this before. There's three things Paul talks about. Um, knowledge, understanding, really he's talking about spiritual understanding there. And then wisdom. All right, so Paul talks about wisdom, knowledge, and spiritual understanding. Knowing some things, understanding it, counting it to be true for you, and then using it. Right? So wisdom is how do I use this information? Because that's always a struggle. And a lot of times I've heard people say, you know, sometimes you all spend too much time talking about doctrine and doctrine and doctrine and doctrine. Well, you've got to know something before you can understand it or even to be able to live by it. Um, back, at the, back at the church that, we, that Delilah grew up in that I learned right division in, uh, that's one of the things they always said is you need to be, you need to get more like application stuff. And I'm thinking, well, you can't apply stuff if you don't know the right information to begin with, right? So you can't yield your body, and that's what he talks about um, in verse 13 and on, he's talking about yielding. Well, you can't, you can't by wisdom use information that you don't have. Because then it's not, then it's just human wisdom. How do I think about things or how does somebody else think about things? Um, this past week, we started school uh, Thursday. And so this is, kids don't really know it all yet, but like this is this is the same system that I use with my kids at school. Um, and they've, they've not made the connection yet, but it's only been two days. But it's the same thing that we have here. 
if we don't if we don't know something right we can't count that to be true so notice here what's he say knowing that our old man is crucified with him the purpose of it is is what that henceforth we should not serve sin okay so is there a difference in knowing that I shouldn't serve sin and actually not serving sin there is right so then what do we have to do we have to count that to be true for us do we know that we don't have to serve sin well then the next step would be okay now that's true about me and then this last part is that yield notice notice in verse 12 he says let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body now that's interesting because you think about you think about that he says let not sin reign so it's a choice we get to make right well what's the best way to make a choice is by knowing something okay and then it's a choice that we get to make let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither, and here's where he starts getting the yield, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. But, so, there, there's the thing, right? Yielding has to do with what? Making the decision. Do you make the decision to allow your mortal body to, as he says here, as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but we do what? But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. <clears throat> so, when you think about this, go real quick over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, this is a verse we've talked about and we've gone over um, a bunch of times in the past and it's something that <laughs> now we should probably have memorized, right? Um, but there's something here that I think is really interesting. First Thessalonians chapter two. I want to start off in verse. Um, I want to start off in verse. We'll start off in verse ten, but I want you to kind of see see this stuff. Notice in verse ten. So Paul, of course, he's talking to the folks at Thessalonica, which we know we've talked about this before. It's like a, a model church, right? You've got faith, love, and hope going on in their model church, in that church. They're doing the things the way they're supposed to. But there's also some other things. Notice in verse 10. He says, Ye are witnesses, and God also, how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. Now, who is the they that he's talking about? Well, if you back up to verse 1 in chapter 1, it's Paul, Silvanus, and Timotheus. Okay? So those are the three that he's talking about saying, you saw how we, how, what? Holily and justly and unblameably, we behaved ourselves among you that believe. So think about this. Did Paul know that he's holy based on who he is in Christ? Did he count it to be true that he was? And did he yield his life and his, his, his mortal flesh to live that way? 
to reflect it. Yeah. Um, and so did Silvanus and Timotheus, right? Next is what? The justly. Did Paul know that he was just because he's in Christ? Did he count it to be true? And did he yield himself to where the people actually saw him living his life? And notice it says at the very beginning there, ye are witnesses and God also. How holily, justly, and unblameably. You know, you think about that word unblameable. What's it mean to be unblameable? What's it mean to be unblameable? Think about that for a second. If you're, if you're, if you're blameable for something, that means you've done something and you've earned, you, you've done something wrong. Now, if you're unblameable, that means you can't have blame placed on you. You ever thought about that? You just think about that for a second. And Paul says how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves. Did Paul know that he was unblameable? Did he count it to be true? Did he yield his life so much so that he says, ye were witnesses and God also witnessed how we lived in those three areas specifically? And that's what's interesting to me because you, get, you keep on going. Um, verse 13, right? He says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God which work with which effectually worketh what's that next word also also now you stop and you think about that real quick so paul Silvanus, and timotheus they're here with the folks in thessalonica and he says you all were witnesses god was a witness also how holily just and unblameably we behaved ourselves and then three verses later he says the word of god will work in you the exact same way you saw it work in us. That, you know, it's one of those things, you read stuff a bunch of times, and I never really paid attention to that word also, and I'm like, there it is. They saw how God's word worked through Paul, Silvanus, and Timotheus, and Paul says, it's going to work the exact same way with you. Exactly. That believe, right? And so they were able to see that's what it looks like. So then, what's that tell us? It's possible. So then, the, then we, we get into this idea. Of, you know, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. And so then people get upset at that, right? You're like, you're following Paul. Yeah, well, it's just the beginning. So you're, you're, <laughs> I'll tell you this. 21 years in, it doesn't change. You still get told that. So it's not, really? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's one of those things, you know, you're, you're fairly new to it. Um, at, at first, it kind of, man, no, I'm not. I, and then you got to defend it. Yeah. I'm not letting it get to me. Yeah. And exactly. And that's the thing, right? You know it, reckon it to be true, and now you're yielding your life. And of course, it's one of those things at the beginning, it's kind of hard to do, but you know you can. And you don't get, you don't get upset with that. You're like, okay, you need to move on. What's fun, what's real fun, okay. I'm sorry. That was my response. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're not going to convince them otherwise, right? Okay, you move on. But here's what's interesting. You know, you start talking about, 
Um, their normal response is what? Why well, follow Christ? Yeah. Well, do you? Because if he says, you know, and I've thought about this the other day. <clears throat> if your boss comes up and says, um, I want you to follow what Joe's over here doing because I'm going to have you do this job. And then a month later, you're like, okay, um, I think I'd rather have you over in this department, so I want you to go over here and follow Bill. Um, could you say, well, I don't want to follow Bill because I'm following Joe. Because you told me to follow Joe, and i got to follow Joe's instructions. And so then you start thinking about that stuff, you start putting that stuff in perspective, and then it's like, okay, you have the same person, Christ, telling one group of people, follow Peter and the eleven. And you got the same person now telling you to follow Paul. So you're following Christ, but through Paul. Yeah, they asked me, I, I, I tried to get them to think by asking them, why would God choose Paul outside of the 12 disciples? And they, they were just like, I follow Jesus. And like, oh. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is, is then you can say, do you really? Because if he tells you to pay attention to somebody else, Peter, obviously. Right. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. They, 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 they just out well, the interesting the interesting thing is is uh, what's really fun is when you watch local preachers and they talk about you, um, and you know you you don't have a way to defend yourself in front of their entire congregation. So you just kind of let it go. You kind of figure that out eventually, right? Um, but the thing is, is where is it that we find out? You, th- you look here. Who, who was it that the folks in Thessalonica could look at and see God's Word working in and through them was Paul, Silvanus, and Timotheus. And so then you stop and you think, okay, God, in fact, do this real quick. Uh, we've talked about this before, but uh, go back to Matthew chapter 4. When we go back to Matthew chapter 4, you know, we see this all the time. In fact, we could, for time's sake, we won't be able to, but, you know, you think about, you go back, you go back to the garden, and Eve talks to Satan, and there's there's really five things that take place, right? Uh, very first thing is Satan questions God's word by saying, Yea, hath God said. And then you've got Eve waters down, adds to, subtracts from God's word. And then Satan comes along and says, what God says not even true. Thou shalt not surely die. It's like completely flat out denies what he says. And so then you've got those, those things. So what happens is you've got the, the lust of the flesh, lust of the pride, lust of, lust of the pride, and uh, pride of life. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. There we go. Well, you see how a man, Eve, you see how mankind dealt with that and how bad that was. We come here to Matthew chapter 4, and you see a completely different thing, right? Um, notice in, um, let's start off in verse, verse 4, verse 3. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God. Notice again what Satan started off with. It's a question. Right? So there's a question. He's questioned, If thou be the son of, son, of, uh, son of God, command that these stones be made bread. 
So here you have the lust of the flesh, right? But he answered and said, and, and said what? It is written. He was trying to get him to question his so he's trying to get him to question his position, but there's also something else that's taking place um, which, which goes into the whole issue of right and division, right? You go over to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, talks about the fact that we're supposed to study to show ourselves approved, right? By rightly dividing the word of truth. And then Paul gives us two examples, Hymenaeus and Philetus, who've erred concerning the truth by saying that the resurrection's already taken place, right? <coughs> and so then you've got there, they've moved the timing of that of that resurrection. So they're trying they're saying that the resurrection's taken place before it actually has. So when you go through here, what's really interesting a lot of times is, is it's not just those things, but there's also timing elements that's going on, right? And a lot of times we don't think of. Is there going to be a time where God's going to have to feed the nation of Israel every single day manna? Yeah. And so what, what Satan was trying to do is to get Christ to do something that he's going to do in the future, but I want to have you do it now. To me, that's very interesting because it's not just it's not just it's not just having him think about his position or, or get rid of his position, but it's also I know you're going to do something, but I'm going to try to get you to do it at the wrong time. And so then you look at you go back to Tower of Babel. What do they do? They're building a a tower to get to heaven. Well, what's God doing? Is He's going to set up something on the earth? Well. Now, what God's doing is he's, he's creating the body of Christ to put in those positions of, of, of the heavens. So what is, what's man doing now is let's build a kingdom on the earth. Like they've always got it backwards and it's always at the wrong time. So you think not just, not just positionally type issues, but also timing issues. And so then you keep on going. But what's Christ's response is it is written. Um, go over to verse 5. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple. And he said unto him, again, questioning, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against the stone. Now, what's really interesting about this one is, <clears throat> it follows the same pattern, is this is something that, Christ will do later on, and Satan's trying to get him to do at a different time. But notice, if you go back and you look at the, the, the reference that's being made here, those two words, anytime, have been added by Satan there. They're not actually in the actual quote that he's quoting from. So he's actually quoting Scripture, but he's added to it, which is the same thing that took place in the garden, right? So then, not only do you have this, the, the, the issue there of the timing, but what's also interesting is he leaves out the part where he's going to be destroyed. So he's subtracted from God's word. Same thing we saw in, in, in the garden. Um, but what's Christ's response again? Verse 7, Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Verse 8, so that was lust of the eyes, right? Look at, look at all this stuff. Um, <clears throat> And um, verse 8. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and, and the glory of them. 
Now, what do we know when, when God sets up the kingdom here on earth? All those kingdoms are now his. And they're in that one kingdom. Well, that's something that he's going to do out there after the second coming. His glory. Right here he was trying to get him to take it in his flesh. Mm-hmm. But now that he, that he had to become the forgotten son of God through his resurrection. And you remember uh, a couple weeks ago when we talked about that glory? Yeah. Right? And that, that was a key thing. He said, don't touch me because mm-hmm. I've not yet ascended to the Father. Um, as we're going through the sign stuff, right? So we know that that's something that's going to take place out there at the second coming, and Satan's trying to get him to do it at the wrong time. But again, and the main point is, is what? Um, Then saith Jesus, verse 10, unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written. The way that Jesus Christ lived his life is what? Based upon the Word. He, He... he lived his life in complete and total obedience to the Father and His Word in everything. So then, we look at that, we always think, well, that's, that's God in the flesh. Can you give me an example of a person in the flesh that also did the same thing? And it's Paul. And so then that's why 1 Thessalonians 2.10, not just 13, but I think 2.10 is really a big issue is you see how Paul, Sylvanius, and Timotheus, and it's not just the one person, so we bought all three of them. And again, the Thessalonians, he says, ye were witnesses, and God also, how they knew, reckoned, and yielded their life to be holy, just, and unblameable. It's like an example that you saw on the outside, and I lived on the outside, but God saw how I lived on the inside. Mm-hmm. So, and, and the idea, you know, one of the things out there is people say, well, uh, in fact, I, I, I deal with this a lot when I talk to people. Um, baptism is an outward sign of an inward faith. First Thessalonians 2.10 literally is an outward expression of an inward faith. And you don't have to go and do those things. All you got to do is just believe the word and let the word work through you. Count it to be true for yourself and then allow that to produce the life because we see in this first lesson on 2.13 that it's the word of God which worketh effectually or worketh effectually also in you that what? Believe. believe. Trusting in what the word says. So then you look at that and say, okay, well, how do I live that life? Well, you read Romans through Philemon and you get a C, right? Which is really, but the, it, you know, go back to Romans chapter 6. <clears throat> when, when we look at this in Romans chapter 6, 6, 7, and 8, he starts talking about who we are in Christ, right? So he's taken us out of Adam, placed us into living union with Christ, and that's what that baptism is in chapter 6 there, is without the water, Right? But he says, I'm going to take you, I'm going to take you out of Adam. I'm going to place you into living union with Christ. And all I'm going to ask you to do is just know what I've made you, who I've made you, count it to be true, and then yield your life. So then when problems in life come, this is, this is always a thing 
that my students sometimes they don't always get, but, and I, I try to bring this up all the time. You've got math problems. There's certain things that you know about how to solve those math problems, and then you do it. Well, life also has problems. We all know that. Well, what do you know that you can take and apply to that problem to fix it or minimize the effects of it, if you will? Well, that's what the life that we have in Christ Jesus is designed to do. And again, if we don't know it, we can't apply it to problems of life. So then we're always going to be stuck with, how do I fix it? What do I need to do to fix the problem? And then it's not the proper knowledge, it's man's wisdom, man's knowledge. I can fix it. I don't need that book. I don't need that guy. I don't need, all I need is me. I'm independent. I can take care of myself. And I think that's one of the biggest lies, if you will, that's been perpetrated all over the world is I don't need anything or anybody else except for myself. Mm -hmm. And so then what we've come to now is we've gotten to the point where we're saying opinion is now truth. That's where we've gotten. Um, so if my opinion is different than your opinion, yeah, and that, that it's easy to fall into that stuff. Well, and the other thing, <laughs> well, sometimes, sometimes it comes off that way. Yeah. Um, but, but go over real quick and we probably all know these verses anyway, but Galatians chapter two, right? That that's one. That's one that hopefully again, another one that we always know. And, um, I actually got to, to, to teach about this one day at school. Um, we have FCA meetings on Friday morning. So, um, they asked me, they asked me to come and speak. So I talked about this one day, uh, Galatians two twenty, and this, the, one of the adults, the, one of the other teachers at school who's into church and things like that, um, he didn't like it. And I'm like, but that's what the verse says. It, you, you know, you're not going to offend me because I'm not the one that wrote it. You know, kids at school all the time, I was like, I hate math. I was like, I didn't invent it. So, you know, you're not hurting my feelings. But, but here it is, Galatians 2.20, right? I am crucified with Christ. Isn't that Romans 6? Do we know it? Have we counted it to be true for ourselves? And do we actually yield our life to it? That's always the tough part, right? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. I'm still alive. I'm not dead. He's talking about something else, right? Um, Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. So am I really the big issue here? It's Christ living in me. You know, Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 about this, 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 vessel that we have this 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 temple if you will and how it's going to dissolve one day but what i've put inside me notice but christ liveth in me and the life which i now live 
in the flesh, right? Not, not out there in the ages to come. That's going to happen anyway. But he's saying, the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God. Well, how did the faith of the Son of God react to everything? It was what? It is written. It's the Word of God working in and through Him. And it's the same way, who loved me and gave Himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. When we look at that, it's taking God's Word, not just knowing it, because that's easy to do, right? There's, there's atheists out there that's read the book and they've got it memorized. I, I know some of them. I've had conversations with some of them. But what do, we, what do we know about that? Can you take that step from here to here without the Holy Spirit? First Corinthians chapter 2, right? It tells us that. Uh, that's actually one of the things that I started off with. Go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. That was one of the first things I started off with. Verse 9 is kind of my pet peeve. People read verse 9 and they just stop, right? Verse 9, But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. And they stop there and say, See, you just don't know what God's got, got planned for your life. So, Whatever problem you're going through, God's got a bigger plan and He understands what's going on and, and we just don't know yet. One day we'll figure it out. When this thing happens, then we're going to look back and say, so that's what God meant. That's not what that verse is talking about. In fact, what's interesting is Paul's quoted an Old Testament Scripture where Isaiah didn't know. But the best part is in verse 10, but God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. That means that God has already, past tense, revealed them unto us. How? By a Spirit. You go on down, you find out, uh, verse, verse 14, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness none to him, neither can he, what? They can't even get to this step. So then, why do we? Why are we trying to bang our heads or beat people over the head with "You've got to rightly divide" if they're not even saved? Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of times we and I'm I'm guilty of this too. A lot of times we've got it backwards. We're trying to get people to understand right division. We don't even know if they're saved yet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're all that way because because it's it's one of those things. It's such a wonderful message and such a liberating message that. How can you not want to know this? Yeah, and that's, and that's one of the reasons why we wanted to go back to the basics. Let's start off. God exists. He created the heaven and the earth for a purpose. Let's start there. Because if you don't believe God exists, we need to start there first. So then, you see, that's what Paul did. That's where Paul started. And then you got, here's the gospel. Because now that you know that there is a God that exists and you're going to be held accountable to His righteousness, that's His standard, and we're never going to meet it, and we need to know that. Well, the good thing is, is the only way you can get there is you've got to be perfect. We can't be. 
that someone was perfect for us. And he's going to give us his righteousness because of that. So yeah, a lot of times we start talking about, you know, we want to live life a certain way or we want to talk about, hey, you should rightly divide the word of truth. Or There was a lady that contacted me uh, a couple weeks ago um, that uh, she said, I, I'm so depressed and things right now that I don't want to, I don't want to be a part of the world anymore. Her, her, 20, her 23 year old son died of an overdose in January, January 10th of this year. And so trying to have a conversation with her, um, she, we need to go all the way back to the get to basics with her because how is it that you're going to be able to deal with depression is you got to know who you are in Christ. Well, you can't get there until you're saved. You can't get there until you know that there's a God. So being able to take take somebody through there, um, and it's a tough thing to, 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 to deal with sometimes, but a lot of times we try to get people to see things that, that they can't get. No, you're fine. Uh, well, the, the Hebrew Roots movement, they mm-hmm. say they're led by the Holy Spirit to follow the law of Torah. And I'm mm-hmm. like, that doesn't make sense. Because our Apostle Paul, and then they say, well, he's not the only Apostle. And then I say, you're not Israel. And then they say, but we're grafted in. And then I say, <laughs> not to Israel, just into the inheritance. And then it's just, I, like, how do I... Like they believe in the gospel, but they're so set that they're that they're on the correct path. Yeah. Because, so I don't I don't know what to do with that. Well, it's one of those things. Like uh, Delilah, when we were up in Chicago, she she marked off some some quotes from different people, and and um, one of them, I think it was Rush Shepherd, says, "Don't beat them over the head with with what we know." Find out what they know first and show them a verse that they've never seen before. That's what I try to do. I try, like, I try to get them to think, you know, why was Paul chosen outside of the 12? Yeah. I said, the, the, the 12 were told to go <clears throat> to the whole world. They, so why would he go find somebody else to do that? Yeah. And they, they don't answer him. They yeah. totally gloss over it. Yeah. And, that, and that's one of those things, you know, after, what, second admonition? Huh? Yeah, I mean, there, there, there's certain things. There's certain times. No, no, I know. But, you know, Paul says, one waters, one plants, God gives the increase. God's word's going to take care of itself. It's not going to return void. If people actually read it and trust it. But it's not up to you to plant it and to water it and to give the increase. And so that's that's one of those things that it's a lot of times we put we put ourselves in a position uh, and, and we if I keep if I keep battering them with it they're going to become more and more Yeah. Like don't I don't want to hear it anymore. Yeah. So I got to just let it go. Yeah. And that's that is hard to do because you want people to you want people to get saved. I want them to feel and you want them to come to the knowledge of the truth. But again, it, you know, and we do this to ourselves all the time. A lot of times we'll put ourselves in a position where we know we can't succeed. And then at the end, we're going to feel like failures because we didn't succeed. Even though we knew at the very beginning we weren't going to because we're trying to do everything ourselves. Uh, and that's what human nature is. That's what human wisdom is, right? 
I can take care. I'm going to fix this problem. I'm going to fix these people with their doctrine. Yeah. And we, sometimes it's not us, but we might be planting. I'm just been trying to throw questions out there. Like I ask them questions instead yeah. of giving them the answer. Yeah. And they generally Well, and a lot of times what happens, and I've had conversations with, with people in that same group and then other things too, a lot of times what they're doing is they're not listening to anything you say. They're already thinking about what am I going to say in response. And I I don't really care what you say. I'm just going to keep giving you what, what I believe. And that happens a lot, and that's unfortunate. And so that's one of those things that, you know, sometimes it's better to take a step back, let some other folks, let some other folks know. Uh, because I mean, in fact, real quick, and of course this is this is a different issue. But go over to Second Timothy chapter two real quick. We'll finish off with this. Uh, we kind of brought this up last time, uh, last weekend. But um, but but this is this is what it is. Now, of course, I understand when Paul what Paul's talking about here to Timothy the, with the folks in Ephesus, he's talking about saved people, right? So there's there's that issue to begin with, but. I think it's still kind of a a, a truth that we can do. Um, verse verse twenty five. So he's talking about the servant of the Lord must not strive. That right there should verse twenty four. He says that right. Mm-hmm. Servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. Right. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. All right. So again, he's talking about saved people who don't reckon who they are in Christ to be who they are in Christ. So they're opposing who they are. Right. They're opposing themselves because they're saying, um, "I'm spiritual Israel," when they're not. I'm of this of this. Levitical priesthood. I'm, I'm part of that group when they're not. So what are they doing? They're opposing themselves, right? Notice. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledgement of the truth. If God gives, and it's through the Word, God's going to work through His Word, and He's going to give them, here's the verses. You've already got them. But the repentance there is the changing of the mind to the acknowledgement of the truth. They don't acknowledge the truth, so they have to change their mind to acknowledging the truth. Well, that's what repent is, to change their mind, right? So then, verse 26, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. So that's that's what it is. Give them the verses that they've never seen before. You're you know, we're not here to we're not here to help. Yeah. He claimed it to be his gospel. So I gave her all the verses where he says, My gospel. Yeah. And she said, That just means his opinion. Well, there there's a deeper issue there because Paul wrote it, but the Holy Spirit's the one that wrote right. it. Right. Yeah. Right? So God actually wrote all sixty six books and he used men to write them down. Yeah. So that's that's one issue. It's not it's not Paul's opinion. This is the creator of heaven and earth. This is what he says. Right. Yeah. And so then it's it's a lack of understanding that it's not and that's a lot of folks are that way. Yeah. 
Yeah. So then what what happens is they come to this and they say, well, that's all these men. That's what they think it is. But it's not. Well, it's just stories passed down through time. It's not, though. The Word of God was settled in heaven. Yeah, but I mean, that's one of those things is the only thing you can do is you're either planting or watering. Yeah. Um, our goal isn't, uh, we, can't, we can't save everybody. No. We can give them the verses. <clears throat> they have a choice to believe the verses or not. I'm trying to get to the point where I, I remind myself it used to be me. Yeah. And I need to just calm down and not like get into it. Why are you not seeing this? Why are you not understanding? And then you get, you get to work from that position, right? Yeah. Well, this is the verse that it took me to figure it out. Yeah. Or this is the verse that I've heard it worked for somebody else type thing. So. For me, it's yeah. yeah. And it's different for people, for everybody. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's always kind of tough. But, you know, it doesn't take long. We, we talked about the last time that you are here was, um, you know, you might, be, you might be stuck in Romans 3. And that's all you know and understand and yield to. And you're not to Romans 4 yet or Romans 5 or whatever it is. Um, but have a conversation with people. You can figure out where they are. And it doesn't take, doesn't take too long. <laughs> I know. I'm still, I'm still in Romans. I'm doing Justin Johnson in Romans 1. Yeah. 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 No, it, it takes a while. We did Romans a few years ago. I forget how long it, it took us to go through there, but we went through it. Yeah. It takes a while. There's a lot of stuff there. And you know, you think that's the basics of Paul's message is Romans. And you're like, there's a lot of deep stuff in there <laughs> for it to be a foundation thing. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Um, any other questions, comments, concerns? Huh? No, I love questions. Okay. But, uh, my thing is, if you're asking questions, two things happening. One, you're paying attention. Two, you care. Okay, I do have another question. Yeah. Um, sometimes I, I have conversations with believers often, mm-hmm. people who think they are believers. But this one woman was trying to share the gospel, and she said that we hear it and we believe, and then God breathes his faith into us. And I asked her to share me the scriptures, but then she threw me the post. So... Um, it's a word of faith thing. So like the, like Kenneth Copeland and all those guys, Andrew Womack, Kenneth Hagin, all those guys, it's, it's a whole different group of, um, there it's a, it's a, it's an offshoot really of Pentecostalism is what it is, but it's the word of faith. Like I can, I can speak, I can speak faith into you by, 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 by God's word. And it's it's a whole it's a whole. I was just like, well, I said, uh, why would he want his own faith from us? He requires our faith. That's what I asked her, and she's like, well, salvation is all his. It's all from him. It's all his. It's uh, it's it's a it's well, that's all, well, okay. So that's an amalgamation of of Calvinism and the Word of Faith stuff. Okay. So so Calvinism is. Grace is a gift. 
faith is a gift. Salvation is a gift. You can't do anything um, at all to get saved. You can't even believe without God making you believe. Okay. That's what that's that's like that's like the that's like the the very first thing of the Calvinism tulip thing. Yeah. Uh, the total depravity. There's nothing you can do. You can't even believe. Well. That makes God a liar when it comes to free will. Yeah, and that's that's what that's what happens. They take away they take away free will. So like. This part here of counting it to be true for yourself, that takes that away. Because yeah. you can't do that. That takes away yielding because you can't do that. Well, you know, the thing is, is when it comes down to it, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 is what they're taking, right? For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, right? It's a gift of God. They say that faith, grace, and salvation is a gift in that verse. And it's not. Um. But I mean, you know, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's what I said. When you believe, faith when you, yeah, that's not possible. Um, you can't you can't believe before you have the opportunity to believe. So that just that's that's a that's a logical fallacy is what that is to begin with. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things you'll find out is it's probably best not to. <laughs> Not to deal with social media stuff because it, it it gets a mess anyway. But yeah. So we're going to continue on the series that we have the uh, back to the basics, and really, really, kind of it's just an overview of the Book of Romans, right? So far, uh, we get up here to Romans chapter six. Uh, Romans chapter six, seven, and eight starts talking about our identification, like who we are in Christ, right? And, and that's, an important thing. that's an important thing for us to, to know and to think about because that's from that position is how we live our life, okay? Now, we've talked about in Romans chapter 6. Remember, last week we, and I went ahead and did it, uh, last week we said, let's cry, right? No reckoning oh, yield. You did it. I did. <laughs> uh, and so Raymond seemed pleased. So we've talked about the no, the reckon, and yield, right? And we talked about a little bit about how that goes along with knowledge. Understanding. And then wisdom. Right, so we talked about how those correlate, and Paul talks about the fact that he would have us to come into some 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 understanding, some knowledge, and wisdom, uh, the spiritual understanding, things like that. We've we've talked about that, and you know we've also talked about the spirit and the soul and the body, right, and how those things kind of correlate with this as well. Now, what's really interesting is that brings up the issue of there's there's something that we make want to make sure that we deal with when we're talking about that and one is our standing the other is our state all right now that's really what this stuff has to do with is we should know something about our standing have some sort of inter uh, understanding about that standing um, and really the yielding has to do with um, how do we deal with that in life it's our state Right? So the standing is, here's this doctrine that we have. 
The state is, how do we use the doctrine? So really that's what it comes down to. So we'll be talking about those a little bit as we go through. So uh, let's get started. Um, Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to study your word, uh, that it's been preserved throughout the years and ages that we could have it, that we can study it, uh, that we can allow your word to work in and through us to produce the life that you have designed it to produce. Uh, that we might be to the praise and honor and glory of your grace, and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, there's some really interesting things as we take a look at this. Um, you know, one of the things, along with this, go go real quick to 1 Corinthians. Um, we'll, we'll spend we'll spend a little bit of time here a little bit later on, but get 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Ephesians chapter 4, because there's something here that I want to make sure that we we get. Um, so there's something in Romans chapter 6 that we just got through reading. Verse 2, talking about how should we continue to sin. The answer is, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Now, um, one of the things that we always say when we're looking through that is there's no water there, right? There is no water there. There is no water ceremony can, that can do what this baptism that we're going to get ready to talk about. So Ephesians chapter 4, let's take a look at this real quick. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4, um, start off in verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy the vocation wherewith ye are called. Now, you notice there, there's a, there's a correlation there in Romans chapter 6 to that verse that we just read. And there's a reason why. But notice, at the end of Romans 6, 4, what we read, it says, Even so we should also walk in newness of life, right? So there's this walk that we have. And that's where this really comes into play, all right? So this would be, that would be our walk. This would be from study, all right? We find out, we find out who we are in Christ, and then we take that information and put it to use in our walk. And we'll, we'll see how some of that stuff works out here in a moment. But notice that you walk worthy the vocation wherewith you're called. Verse 2, with all lowliness and meekness and long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, that, that word keep there, that's the same thing. When we were up in Chicago, we talked about guarding, right? So you're guarding, you're keeping, and you're, you're, you're preserving it. You're holding on to it. You know, Paul says to cleave to those things that are good and abhor evil, right? The things that even look evil. Verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Verse 4, he starts giving us a list of ones, all right? And of course, it's seven ones, but notice there is one body, all right? So let's, let's take a look at this real quick. So there's one body, one what? 
Spirit. One what? Hope. All right. One hope. What else? One Lord. All right. All right. What else? One faith. Okay. One baptism. One God and Father of all. All right. So we've got, here's the ones, right? Well, if there's one body, can there be two? No. If there's one spirit, can there be two? As a math teacher, as a math teacher, that that's not going to work, right? So when he says there's one, then you can't have another one, all right? So if we have one hope, you can't have another hope. Otherwise, you're going to be conflicted. Which hope should I care about? Should I care about this this earthly kingdom that's going to come down? That be a hope, or am I looking for a different hope? We're, the, the, the hope that we have is what we normally call the rapture, right? It's what? It's where our body is changed to be fashioned like unto his glorious body, right? That's the redemption of the purchased possession. Um, one Lord, one faith. So then when Paul talks about the faith, he's talking about that body of doctrine that was delivered unto him. Is there a different faith? Now you think about these things. You go down through here. But notice, one baptism. That's the thing that I want to look at there. All right? Well, I said 1 Corinthians 12, right? Hold that one. Go back to Matthew real quick. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. Notice in verse, verse 5. So uh, verses 1 through 4 have John the Baptist showing up. He's preaching. He's in the wilderness of Judea. He's preaching, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Verse 5. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan and were what? Baptized of him. All right, so what's he doing? What's interesting is, you know, we've, we've looked at this before. If you go back to the Old Testament Scripture, most, most, of the times, most of the times people fuss about how do you baptize, right? There's different denominations out there that split because of how they wanted to do it. Well, do you dunk? Do you dunk forward? Do you dunk backwards? Um, do you sprinkle? Do you, do you do it in the name of Jesus Christ only or in... Uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? So there's different ways that you can go about doing that. Well, the way that it's done scripturally is by sprinkling. That's the way it's always been done. We, we, we've looked at that before. But notice, notice here in verse, verse 11. This is, this is John speaking here. Matthew's recording his words. Notice, I, I indeed baptize you with water. So there's no, there's, no, there's no guessing what he's doing there, right? He's telling you. Um, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So you've got three different baptisms in that one verse. Water, Holy Ghost, and fire. Right? By the way, when you look at that and you see that he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire... Those are two different things. It's not, you know, everybody looks at, at Acts 2 and says, well, 
there were cloven tongues like as of fire. That's not what he's talking about there. He's talking about judgment. There is a fire judgment that's going to happen one day, and that's the baptism he's talked about. How do you know? You look at verse 10, because the context tells us, right? And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the what? Fire. Now you go over to John 15, you find out what that fire is. It's not a good thing. Okay? Huh? Yeah. 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 And so then, as you look at that, he's telling you exactly what it is. Right? And so then, as we go down through there, how many baptisms do we have in that one verse? Three. Well, which one of those are the ones for us? Well, when you think about it, it's not even that one, right? Because that's something different. Right? So here's what's interesting. Who's baptizing in verse 11? John the Baptist is baptizing with water. Mm-hmm. Who's baptizing with the Holy Ghost? Jesus. Jesus Christ is. And who's going to baptize with fire? Jesus. Jesus Christ. Okay? So now go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So there's something different that's going on. And what we're going to find out is Christ was going to baptize with the Holy Ghost, but notice here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. For as the body is one, doesn't that remind you of Ephesians 4? There's one body, right? And hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Notice, four by one spirit. There's that spirit, right? For by one spirit are we all baptized into that one body. Question. Who's baptizing here? The spirit. It's not Christ, it's the spirit, right? Notice it says, For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. So the baptism here is the spirit baptism, where the spirit places us into living union. The identity, our standing, he places us into living union with Christ in that one body. No, they're not different. But who baptized in in Matthew 3 was Christ was baptizing with the Holy Ghost. Here, the Holy Spirit is baptizing us into Christ. So the orders flipped, right? And so that's why... So you weren't far off because you're you're still dealing with the same thing. But we have the Holy Spirit that places us into living union with Christ. So the the baptism in, in Romans 6 is the same baptism here, which is the same baptism here. Because there's only one. And so then the Spirit's doing it, but the Spirit's placing us into... Yeah. The, the, the order on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, but notice, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and having been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. You drop down to verse... 27, it says, Now ye are the body of Christ, and members are in particular. So who's Paul talking to when he's talking to the Corinthians is what? Members of the body of Christ. So then you think about that, and you, you read First and Second Corinthians, and you're like, well, these people, <laughs> they can't be members of the body of Christ, but they are, right? In fact, he calls them saints. Even though you read First and Second Corinthians, like, there's no way. What the problem was is they're... Standing was there, 
but their state was not there. They weren't, they weren't taking by faith their standing and bringing it into their walk is what was going on. And we'll see, we'll see why here in a moment because uh, it's, really, it's really interesting. So then, here's, here's, let's, let's go take a look at a couple things real quick. Uh, go get Colossians chapter 2. All right, Colossians chapter 2. And we'll, we'll look at some things as we go down through here. All right, try it again. Um, notice here in Colossians chapter 2, there's some things that's really interesting. Uh, notice here in verse, um, start off in verse 4. And... Well, yeah, we'll start off in verse 4. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Now, that's, we're going to look at something here in a minute in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that will go along with that. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the Spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord... Question, how is it that you received Christ Jesus the Lord? Believe the gospel. You believe the gospel. So keep that in mind, all right? As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, notice, so walk ye in Him. So if you received Him by believing the gospel, trusting the words on the page, then how should we walk in Him? By believing the verses on the page, the words on the page, right? Rooted and built up, notice, where? In Him. him. And established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Now, keep those things in mind as we go down through here because we've got some other verses here I want us to see. Uh, Verse 8. Beware lest any man sh- uh, spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him, talking about Christ, dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now, stop and think about that real quick. In him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Notice in verse 10. And ye are what? You are what? Complete. Question. Do you feel complete every day? Not in my own flesh. You don't, right? But what's the verse say? I am. (coughs) Nothing wrong with that. All right. Um, So, here's the thing. Again, we don't always feel it, but are we complete in Him? He says we are. All right? So keep that in mind as well as we continue on. Uh, Go over to Philippians chapter 3. Turn left and go to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Let's start off in verse... Mm, let's start off in verse 15. All right? Philippians 3.15 Let us therefore as many as be perfect. Are you perfect? In Christ are you perfect? Yeah. Let us therefore as many as many be perfect be thus minded. 
So what's he saying? If you're perfect, which you are in Christ, he said, be th- think this way. Yeah. So in that instance where they use the word perfect, is it talking about maturity or mm-hmm. is it talking about something else? It's talking about maturity. We'll so, see that in a moment. Okay. Yeah, but go ahead. No, that was my question. Okay. Um, because isn't there a learning process? To there you? is. Okay. Yeah. And that's, that's one of those things, and, and we'll talk about that. Um, but notice, let us therefore, as many be perfect, be thus minded. Think, think this way. And if anything be, and if in, and if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. All right. So here's what I want you to think about. There's, there's a, there's a way to think, and there's a way that we naturally think. Those are two different things, right? One is you're complete. You're also what? perfect not because of something we've done but because we're in him and he's perfect he's complete Mm -hmm. he has everything and what god does is he says i'm going to take you by the spirit the spirit's going to say i'm going to place you into living union with christ so now you're complete and you're perfect because you're in him we don't always live that way what were you going to say and he's in us Now, that's something else we'll take a look at. Continue on. Notice. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Notice what he says there. Nevertheless, whereto we have already what? You, we should be able to get to the point where what we know we should practice. And again, we've talked about this before. Can you yield what you don't know or reckon yet? You can't. But what are we supposed to do? The thing that we know, we should count it to be true, and then that should yield in our what? Walk. Walk. And he says, Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. And these are all things you have to do by faith. And we'll see how that works here in a moment. Let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which what? Walk so, as ye have us for an example. So he says, Mark people, when you see somebody walk in the same way I do, pay attention to them. And, and mark them and pay attention to what they're doing, and, 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 and you're going to be able to see... Them living the same way I do. Well, we talked about it last week in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, right? Verse 10 tells us, it says what? Ye were witnesses, and God also, how holily and justly and unblameably we, we behaved ourselves. And he's talking about Paul, Silvanus, and Timotheus. And he's saying, you all were able to see it. And here are the Philippians, he's saying the same thing to them. You have a question? Well, no, I just, I like how you can, it, they use the example Mark and follow mark and avoid yeah you know yeah it's not just mark and avoid there yeah. are those people that we can exactly and so then notice brethren be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example so when you see somebody walk in the same way you saw paul then he says be be ye together followers of me 
For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Now you stop and think about that. Paul has spent his life going through and he completed his course, right? He told us that in 2 Timothy. I have completed my course, right? I have kept the faith. When he's going through here, he's saying, all of Asia turned their back on me. Remember that? But he's saying, there are some people out there that are walking the way they're supposed to walk. Pay attention to them. And he says, for many of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping. He cared about them so much that when they went away, even though they were enemies of the cross of Christ, he still cared for them. And the only way you can do that is that that agape love, that, that uh, I'm trying to think of the word, um, charity, right? When, when you see that word agape love translated as charity, he's talking about love to another member of the body of Christ. And that's why it's different in the King James Bible between charity and love. When it's, when it's translated as charity, it's talking about from brother to brother, sister to sister, brother to sister, and so on. And so that's what he's talking about. Notice, whose end is destruction. What is it that you get if you don't walk the way you're supposed to walk? Destruction. Your life's going to be a mess. Now, he's not talking about you're going to lose salvation or anything like that because that's not possible because you didn't do anything to get it, so you can't do anything to get rid of it. And we'll take a look at that in a moment as well. Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind what? Earthly things. So then, should we pay attention to these things or earthly things? And what's going to happen, we're going to find out that it's possible to be saved and mind earthly things. We do it a bunch of times, right? What's the bank account like? We've got to make sure. Can we, can we afford this thing? Can we afford that thing? Can we stay in the house? Can we keep this car? Can, you know, whatever it may be. We're so stuck sometimes on this because we've forgotten about those things. We'll keep that in mind as well. Notice in verse 20. For our conversation, that's our walk, is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And here it is. Who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. So when what we're doing now is we're trying to get this body to what? Respond to those. And it's a choice. And it's a choice. One of these days, this body's going to go away. And guess what? We're just going to automatically do what we're supposed to do all the time. To the praise and glory of His grace. <laughs> yeah, us 2.0 or whatever, yeah. right? And that's the idea. But <clears throat> those, are, those are some of those things. But here's the problem. Let's bring ourselves back down for a moment. Romans chapter 7. <clears throat> Romans chapter 7. And you all probably have thought about this and read this before, but Romans chapter 7 verse 15. For that which I do, 
I allow not. For what I would, notice the would there, really he's dealing with his will, right? He says, for what I want, for what I would, what I will to do, what I want to do based on this, notice, that I do not, or that do I not. And you'll see this, what I hate, that do I. Now he's talking about as a saved individual, and he's, 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 he's dealing with this fact that we still have this flesh that we carry around that, that influences our day-by-day things, right? If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but what? Sin that dwelleth in me. But we have a choice, and you notice this. Notice here in verse 18. For I know that in me, and he says, that is, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Notice here. For to will is present. The desire for me to do the right thing is present with me. Notice that next one, though. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. Was this something that he had not learned yet? This is something that he wouldn't have learned yet. Okay. Right? But how to perform, he's not gotten there. But notice. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that do that I do. Now, if I do that which I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. And then he talks about the fact that he's got these two laws, the law of God and the law of sin. All right? And that's that thing battling back and forth. Now, how do we? Well, first first Thessalonians, right? We all know the verse, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, right? We looked at it last week. So how? Now, when we think about, when we think about what's going on, um, 1 Thessalonians 2, 13, Paul says, For this cause also thank, thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as, as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that what? Believe. Believe. Right? Now, real quick, go over to Ephesians chapter 1. What does it mean to believe? Now, <clears throat> We know Romans ten seventeen, right? So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith is what? Taking God at his word, believing what his word actually says. But what does that mean, right? And Ephesians 1 gives us that, and that's exactly what it is. Notice in Ephesians chapter 1, um, let's start off in verse, start off in verse 10. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven, which is the body of Christ, and which are on earth, which would be the nation of Israel, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. By the way, when you go through and you read Romans or Ephesians chapter one, you find out all these things that you get because you're in him. Notice in whom, talking about Christ, also we have obtained an inheritance. By the way, you've already obtained it. 
You already had it. And what he's saying now is take what you have through being in Him and bring it down here and walk like you had it now. And that's where this part comes in, right? Notice. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of Him who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will, that, here's the purpose, we should be to the praise of His glory. By the way, what's really interesting is, you, you notice there in verse 6, it says, to the praise of, his, of the glory of His grace. In verse 12, right there, you've got that we should be to the praise of His glory. And in verse 14 there, you've got at the very end, unto the praise of His glory. You notice there's three of them there? Do you know why there's three of them there? The Trinity. The thing that we, we often sometimes forget about is the Trinity is so involved in not just our salvation, but our walk. And the reason is, is that we might be to the praise of His glory. Notice, that we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ... Notice that word trusted there. In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation. Notice, in whom also, after that ye what? Believe. believe. What is it to believe is to what? Trust. People say, I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins. All right? Well, why... How, why do you know that you get to go to heaven? Well, I was baptized when I was 10. What are you trusting in? You can believe, but you're, when we say something like that, really we're trusting in that thing. Really we're trusting in, well, I walked an aisle. Really we're trusting in, I prayed a prayer. And so what it comes down to is, yeah, we believe in Christ and what He did, but are we actually trusting it? And that's 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. And that's 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, right? Um, and, and Paul talks about that as we go down through there. So think about that. Now, here's, here's really the crux of the situation. So, what does it mean to believe is to trust? Well, you remember some of the things we talked about before. Go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. <clears throat> and with the four or five phone calls, I'm not sure what time I'm on, but... We'll go till I'm finished, I guess. All right, thank you. All right, First Corinthians chapter two. Now, this is something I've 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 been thinking about this, and um, I kind of like this. Notice First Corinthians chapter two. Uh, we've looked at verse nine and ten before, right? Um, verse nine. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. So, Think about this for a second, because we're going to look at this in a moment. <clears throat> is it possible to know some things, but not reckon it? And then, of course, you can't yield it, right? So is it possible to know 
I know how to write the divide of the Bible. I know Paul's my apostle. I know this. I know that type of stuff. Um, but when it comes to reckoning, are you actually counting that to be true? Are you actually living based on the things that Paul tells you? Or are you just saying that and then you go find some other stuff and say, well, I like this because this makes me feel good, so I'm going to say and I'm going to do this, right? So we can know some things and not reckon it. Or we can know some things and count it to be true but not yield to it, right? Now, can we believe some things and not trust them? I mean, can you believe that Christ died of your sins but actually trust in something else you've done? Yeah. Can you believe that you're complete in Him but really trust in yourself trying to make yourself complete? Yes. <laughs> can you believe that you are perfect but still trust in yourself to make yourself perfect? Yeah, that's what he was talking about when he says, I know it, but I don't do it. And that's what he's saying. I know it, but I'm not trusted in it. Right? Right? And that's what he's talking about back in Romans chapter 7. So when you think about that, think about that as we're going through here. Notice in, in verse, um, verse 12. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God. Now what I want you to think about when you're, when you're looking at that, that Spirit, you're thinking the, the, the thinking process, the mind, right? Now, do we have the Spirit of the world every single day? We're bombarded by it, TV, radio, all that stuff, life. We live, we work around people. You're, you're bombarded by that way of thinking, okay? Notice, for we have received not the spirit of the world, because we already had it, but the spirit which is of God. Now, he's saying as a saved person, we have the spirit of God, right? We've received the spirit of God. Notice, here's, here's why that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Now, stop there for just a second. <clears throat> if somebody tells you, believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and when you pray this prayer, you're going to get saved. What are you trusting in? The prayer. The prayer. And prayer is a work according to Colossians. Mm -hmm. So, a lot of times we don't really think about these things, but we've got to think about these things. Does that mean you shouldn't pray when you get saved? No. But don't think that the prayer saved you. It's trusting in what Christ did. Not just believing it, but trusting wholly on it. Notice there at the very end. Why did He give us the Spirit? To teach us. But what? That we might what? Know the things that are freely given us of God. So if somebody comes along and says, here's something, but you got to do something to get it, that's not the Holy Spirit teaching you. That's the spirit of the world. That's the spirit of the world saying, trust in this thing. Notice in verse 13. Which things also we speak? Not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, now you look back in, in, in the first part of this, we looked at another verse, right? Not with enticing words of man's wisdom. Well, you read back here, and he says the same thing at the first part of chapter 2. But notice, which things also we speak in the words which, uh, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now, this is something that I've just 
kind of come across that I think is really interesting. Um, normally, normally when I've taught this, what I would say is what? Comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. Well, does it say comparing spiritual things with spiritual things? It doesn't, does it? And so normally we would take that and say, okay, what we need to do is compare Scripture with Scripture, which is true. But think about this. But which, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with what? Spiritual. Not spiritual things, but with spiritual. So what he's going to do is he's going to tell us what that is and he's going to contrast it. Notice, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Now, normally, when I would read this, I would say, okay, natural man is what? Unsaved person. I don't think that's unsaved person. I think that saved person who doesn't know that they're standing it, what they're standing is, or they might know it and they're not trusting it. And that's, I mean, to me, that kind of makes a little bit more sense because he's going to tell us. Notice. Huh? Yeah. And so then a lot of times you'll see that, but notice. And it's saved individuals who choose not to yield what they reckoned or not reckon what they know, right? But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Now, you stop and you think, how are you thinking about these things, right? We, we read the verse a minute ago in, in, in Philippians, right? Think this way. Have this mindset. You know, Paul says the same thing in, in, in Philippians 2, talking about the fact, he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, right? That mindset was what? Putting others over self. And so you think about that's what that is. It's not just knowing that you're perfect, complete, because you're in Him, but what are we doing with that information? I know it. Okay. What are you doing with it? All right. And so then the natural man... They, they're, they're thinking what? Yeah, I don't know. But notice here. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. Why? Because they are spiritually discerned. Who is the person who's going to be able to not just know who they are, but reckon it to be true and yield their life is by what? You actually have to be spiritually minded and if we're if we're struggling on stuff that means we're naturally minded and people look at us who write divide as complete and utter fools mm -hmm. so i mean that, even people who rightly divide don't think spiritually we all do yeah. i'm i'm the, i'm the, i'm just I'm, I'm the captain of the boat <laughs> of people that struggle I know. I know that. Yeah. I am in Romans 7 because I see things I want to do, I don't do them. Yeah. I see things I don't want to do, and I do them, right? We're all that way. And so I'm not up here saying, well, everybody be like me because I'm not. I'm not there yet, and I know that. And I'll be the first to admit it. There are times where I don't walk here. But you know it. But I know it, yeah. right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm talking to me too. Yeah, he did. He, yeah, he talks about um, struggles without and fears within, right? And he's, he's talking about there are things that I'm 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 afraid I'm I'm fearful of 
inside me because I've not got it all yet. And that's an amazing thing because when we, and here's the thing, the majority of the time, if we look at our life and we're struggling with whatever, it's probably because we're not trusting. We believe the verses, but we're not actually trusting the verses. We believe the verses, but we're trusting ourselves. Well, some people don't even know the verses. And that's the and other I'm thing. I'm speaking to myself. There's, yeah. There's a lot that I don't know. And, and that's what comes up, right? So, again. And that's where personal study is my fault. That's where personal Bible study comes yeah. from. You, again, if we don't know it, we can't count it to be true and yield. But it's not just enough to know it. God, I mean, you think about this wonderful life that God has given us and says you, have, you now have access to the Godhead. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I think she's doing it in the, here in a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then we have access to that, right? Because we've got the Bible in front of us. That's in our language. By the way, what's really interesting is who's the person that created all the languages? So don't you think he knows what? Anyway, he knows how to translate. He knows how to take care of it. So uh, that's that's a side point. But here's here's what's interesting. Notice verse fifteen. But he that is spiritual judges all things; yet he himself is judged of no man. So what that means is what? Personal, daily intake of God's Word. We have to. I, I can't judge you. You're judging yourself, right? And that's what the way it is with us, each one of us. But here's a, here's, here's a real issue what it comes down to, verse 16. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? That He may instruct him. That's a good question. You've got God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They know what they're doing, right? Paul takes us back before the foundation of the world and says, the triune Godhead chose to do something before the foundation of the world. Um, Hold your place there. Go to Titus. We're coming back to 1 Corinthians 2. Notice in, in, in Titus chapter 1. <clears throat> you know, we, we looked at this when we were going through, through Titus, and this is, to me, this is just really interesting. Paul, a servant, verse 1, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness. By the way, according to the faith of God's elect, that's talking about Jesus Christ and His faithfulness. Verse 2. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised when? Before the world began. Who was there when God promised eternal life? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Was anybody else there? The promise that He makes is to Himself. So, you know, sometimes you deal with dispensationalists and they say there's seven dispensations. One of them is the dispensation of promise. If you, get, if you think that, then you might think that that's what He's talking about there. The promise He's talking about was before the world began. 
So before Genesis 1-1, there's things that took place, and that was one of them. The plan was made. The plan was there before it was created. But notice, the God that cannot lie promised before the world began, but in due times manifested His Word through preaching, by the way, which is committed unto me and the twelve. Is that what He says? No. Which was committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. You can't get much plainer than that. You can't get plainer than that. God our Savior. Yeah. It just, you look at this, you're like, man. Go back over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. You're looking at these things, and here, here's what I want us to be able to see today, hopefully, is we might know some things. We might reckon some things to be true. And we might yield some things. Here's the thing. If we don't do that, are we a failure? No. That just means, he says what? Whereunto you have obtained walk. What you know now. Use it. Is our life going to be a, maybe a little harder? Mm-hmm. Life's going to be a little bit harder. If we don't do those things. But here's the thing. Don't try to go get a whole bunch of stuff just to know stuff that you're never going to reckon to be true. Right. Or you'll never, ever yield to. Mm-hmm. Because then your life's going to be even worse. Because you know all this stuff and you're like, why is this stuff happening? Because you're not spiritually minded. You're still carnally minded. Isn't that what he says in chapter 3? And we'll get to verse 2 again, or chapter 2 again. But notice in verse 3, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto what? Carnal. Even as unto babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not not with meat, for hitherto now you were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are ye able. But here's the thing, what it comes down to. Back up in chapter 2, verse 16. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have what? The mind of Christ. We have access to his thinking process. We have access to his mind. We have access to... And so it's not just this ghost out in the sky thing. This is his mind right here. And we have access to it every single day. And what do we do? Are we going to be carnally minded, trusting in ourselves, and then wonder why in the world is everything falling apart around me? Or be spiritually minded where we trust in what he says and take our standing and do that. One last verse. Second Timothy chapter 3. <clears throat> Second mm-hmm. Timothy three sixteen. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, or for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Here's the purpose that the man of God may be perfect. What does it mean to be perfect, Paul? Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. 
we're complete in him and we can walk as perfect and as complete because we have his words written down. Notice, and he goes on down, talking about, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all, with all long suffering and what? Doctrine. Doctrine. Why? For the time will come. By the way, we're getting close to the time will come when they what? When they will not endure sound doctrine. They're looking for trusting in themselves. And that's where we find ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Whoever this is from Cincinnati. Put it on airplane.